We're back at 9.36 here on the Saturday Sportswire, KTGR and KTGR.com. I was just mentioning the uh, the Women's World Cup and all that stuff because the final is tomorrow, U.S. and the Netherlands, and uh, that and multiple other sports topics I feel like are uh, in order to be talked about because this is like the perfect time of year with bad baseball being played everywhere and no football to talk about. So with that, uh, we're going to bring on a former uh, guest of the show when my predecessor, Jeff Parles, used to host uh, and that is uh, Ali Trost, who you can follow, uh, just her name is her Twitter handle, and has a new job in Kansas City, which is pretty cool, and did uh, great stuff, had great uh, reactions from everybody whenever she was on the show in the past. So, Ali, I apologize for how long it has been, but uh, it is awesome <laughs> to have you back on. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I, it's always a pleasure to... Um to come on the station with my my former my alma mater so uh of course it's, uh, special yeah you know? and uh and, and love columbia i know and i yeah i know this has been an exciting stretch for you you've been i know everybody especially and we'll talk about this in a second just with all the folks in kansas city having the watch parties and everything it's, it seems like it's been uh insane but uh, first i know you just got a, a new job with the 810 in, in kc so congratulations tell us about that what are you what are you doing now there yeah, so it's funny because it just so happened that I got this job with them at the same time that they let go one of their um, longtime, you know, sports radio personalities. So probably eighty percent of people thought that I was taking his job. I'm not. <laughs> um, I will be. I will be doing a lot of different types of things for them. So um, a lot of helping them with their video content. I'll be going on air. I'll be doing. Um, some behind-the-scenes social media help for them, um, doing a lot of work uh, with their partnership with Sporting Kansas City and the Chiefs, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So um, one of my first things that I'll be doing tomorrow, I'm going to be up on stage at the KC Power and Light Watch Party. Um, I'll be in the crowd doing fan interviews, interviews with sporting players that might be there, um, documenting the experience. So just trying to help them elevate video content but then also um, come on just because I have experience covering sporting chiefs and um, a variety of other sports. And so kind of using that knowledge and that background to help them, um, you know, just as, as an asset, whether that's on air or, you know, covering these different games and events. So I'm just over the moon excited. Yeah, It's already been so much fun and the response has been, has been great. So I'm just, you know, enthusiastic and so so ready to get started so of course I'm glad that they're throwing me right in you right <laughs> it, it is uh, not the worst first assignment uh, of course that means i guess you'll have to be sober in the crowd but i mean it i feel like the match itself <laughs> takes care of that uh which is the yes. women's world cup final tomorrow i assume have you been i assume you've been to the celebrations they've had in in the lead up here for some of the other matches i mean obviously kansas city they hosted a, a gold cup U.S. match, and they've had mm-hmm. these different watch parties. What's, in general, just been the atmosphere like for, obviously, a city now that is, it seems like, from a, a soccer perspective, really grown to the point where, I don't know, I feel like it's in the top five, four or five markets of fan enthusiasm for not just soccer, but, I mean, you talk about enthusiasm as a whole and passion for the national teams, both men and women. It seems like it is really a perfect spot to be if you really love the game, and especially now with, with a competition like this. Yeah, no, it really is. And that's something, um, having come from St. Louis and so, you know, invested in the Midwest and especially the Midwest in terms of their growth from like a market as far as sports go, you know, whether that's in football, baseball, soccer, but soccer in particular, it's an exciting time for not just, you know, the national level, but like 
MLS and WSL, both of those leagues are going to be growing and progressing rapidly in the next couple of years, which is, you know, an exciting time for any soccer fan to see um, the game grow and the game expand and then the level of competition uh, increase as a result of that growth. And so uh, Kansas City is, like you said, right up there with all of that. And what's really cool is that right now they're campaigning for a, um, to be a host city for the 2026 World Cup. So um, at each of these watch parties, they've got tents up everywhere, encouraging people to go sign the petition to, to bring the World Cup, the 2026 World Cup, to Kansas City um, as a host city. And, I mean, Fox Sports, FS1, the national broadcast is showing the watch party, showing Kansas City up on the big screen with all these other major countries and cities that have loved soccer historically for ever. And so it's just really, really cool to to see Kansas City be included in that conversation because the passion the passion is there and that all, you know, trickles down with the youth programs. Sporting Kansas City's done a phenomenal job helping really foster the, you know, the love of the game early on in people that live in Kansas City and making soccer something that people want to be a part of at every level, whether you know, you play casually, you play competitively, you just are, you know, a lover of the game, you like to go watch, they create this really awesome experience. And so I think a lot of the passion has come from sporting Kansas City. And then the hope for me, at least in the next couple of years is uh, to get an NWSL women's team back to Kansas City, the team folded a couple of years ago, and um, some management issues probably were the for the cause mm-hmm. of that, yeah. but um, hoping to bring um, another women's team back because Kansas City can support it. It's just a lot of it has to do with um, location too. you know, when if the fan base is smaller, making sure that the stadium or the experience supports that, you know, it's, it's hard playing in a huge stadium with only 200 fans in the crowd. So just finding ways to, um, to create that same experience and then just grow, grow uh, the location as the experience continues to, to kind of, uh, to follow with it. So it's exciting. Kansas city is, they're going to get a 2026 world cup bid. I can guarantee you that. And, um, and the people will be ready. Uh, I feel like that's a pretty safe bet and certainly on the right track, just as a whole, like you were mentioning uh, with with the whole market uh, here is we're we're talking with Ali Trost at nine 42. Again, give her a follow at Ali Trost just started working with uh, eight ten in Kansas city. So follow her and and see all the cool stuff uh, she's going to be doing there. Which again starts tomorrow with uh, at the Power and Light with mm-hmm. the Women's World Cup final and all of that, uh, which hopefully is, is going to be just one big party in celebration. I feel like on the actual talking like tactically about the actual match tomorrow and just in general uh, for the women's national team, I just got in the sense, Ali, like a lot of a lot of people looked at the 2015 World Cup and just said, okay, that that's how it should go all the time. And the right. women's game internationally has just gotten so much better over the last four years that. We've seen the women struggle, and there's been questions asked of Jill Ellis with the selections at times and players, whether or not they're at, at, at in their peak form right now. And it just seems like there's been some simmering frustration of, like, why, why aren't they just killing everybody? I've, I've just felt like, I mean, the competition they've faced has been a lot better than what, just from top to bottom, than what they've seen in years past. So as far as the team as a whole, you know, if you're going from, from 1 to 10, as far as how you feel like the actual performance has been, and how they've measured up to your expectations coming in. Where do you think they fit in? Because I think a lot of people might might be more disappointed than, than we would think for a team that's actually playing in a final tomorrow. Yeah, I, I'd i have to go with probably an 8 or a 9. And I the only reason I don't say 10 right out of the gates, um, kind of like you're saying, you know, a lot of 
a lot of people and you know, critics, fans, media have, um, have wondered, you know, why the U.S., why they're not killing these teams. Like you said, there's been no uh, Thailand-style victory uh, in, these, in these last few games. However, what I will say is the depth on this team is outstanding. I mean, the fact that Jill Ellis has the option of playing or benching Lindsey Horan, who's one of the best central midfielders to play the game, probably not even just in the country, but around the entire world. The fact that she has the luxury of deciding whether or not the fact, you know, like Megan Rapino is a player on most teams who would be, if she's out or dealing with a slight injury, that changes the entire game. They have to rework their entire system. You know, it, the game goes from maybe a must win and a probable win to, uh, oh my gosh, we might be clawing for a victory on this one. But, you know, the fact that they've been able to let players, even with the slightest injuries early on in the tournament, early on in the tournament, um, Becky Sauerbrunn's an example of someone who was kind of coming back from a couple of, of tweaks and injuries and was able to take that time that she needed. So then she could get back to full strength. And I think that's going to be the same thing with Megan Rapino. You know, she was able to take that time off away from the game after being the reason that the United States is even at this point, they were able to rest her in that semifinal. And now she'll be, um, it, all the reports are saying that she'll be ready for this game against the, against the Netherlands tomorrow. So the way I see it, it's like, yeah, maybe they're not whipping up on these teams the way that people might expect them to do. However, when you're changing out your key pieces and changing the lineup that often, it's not really too much of a surprise. But the, what it comes down to is that the players that are being put on the field and the players that you know Jill Ellis is putting her trust in to get the job done are doing just that. And we've seen some incredible performances from you know rookies and young players like Rose Lavelle, Alyssa Nair in goal. Uh, it's her first big. It's her first World Cup. So I think it's been really exciting to not only see the veterans come out and, and do their thing, Carla Lloyd, Alex Morgan, Megan Rapinoe, but on the flip side, seeing some of the younger girls come up and make a really big impact. And so I think that's been the most exciting thing for me. Yeah, yeah maybe they're not. Yeah. Right, right. And I, I was just saying on, on our uh, KTGR Big Show yesterday, I just feel like this, with the growth of the international game, I just feel like it's, for the, for the first time, at least since I've been watching, like a real tournament from top to bottom, whereas in the past it was always just, well, got to face Canada or you have Brazil and that's about it. And so to me, it mm-hmm. just seems like there's such, more, such much more depth and that's made it uh, enjoyable to watch. Just seeing the U.S. have to navigate you know, some of the issues like you were saying. Uh, and, and now you get to this final here tomorrow where... You feel like you've just passed two really big tests where you beat France on the road, number four team in the world rankings. You beat England, number three. I was, I was super impressed with them. I had gotten to watch a match of theirs in person a couple weeks ago in, in France, and so I just felt like getting past those, everybody assumes, all right, those, those are your biggest tests. What are, what are your expectations tomorrow? What are your predictions for now? You, you kind of have to turn around and kind of avoid that complacency when you take on a Netherlands team who's been – this Cinderella sort of dark horse story where, I mean, ranked eighth, they haven't, they haven't had an incredibly impressive run as far as the teams they've beaten, but at the same time, they've come up with the magical moments when they've needed to, and you look at all the quotes from the players, it seems like they're really embracing just that, that general underdog mentality. Oh, yeah, and that's something, too. It, it, in the World Cup, and all it takes is a couple of magical moments to, to come out victorious, and I think what the biggest thing that, you know, the Netherlands has you can't you can't discard that that underdog mentality and what that can do for a team. They're a team who averages 13 shots a game. So if they can get off and complete two of those, you know you're in a game against the United States. Who 
like you said, they haven't been totally productive um, in terms of scoring, no matter how, you know, despite their offensive threats all over, you know, from the starting uh, forwards to the ones that come off the bench, you know, they have some really strong offensive pieces. However, the goals may not necessarily show for that in this tournament. The Netherlands has um, Lake Martins and Vivian uh, Mietema. Sorry, the names are really hard. And those two it's okay. they're, they're Dutch. Um, have been very, um, oh my gosh, like a soccer, not the most like, how do you say that? I know, um, I'm, I'm with smart. you. Um, but they've been um, outstanding. And what the Netherlands does really well, um, they're really good uh, in the run of play. If they can counter... The defense for the United States is really strong and really solid, but they've shown some holes when teams counter and when teams find those those through pockets and those spots. Melissa Nair has come up big in some moments, but she's also made some questionable decisions off the goal line. And so for that reason, you know, the Netherlands could definitely, you know, have one of those magic Cinderella story moments where they, you know, are able to score a goal right out of the gates or, you know, say the game is tied 0-0 up until 90 and then they get, some crazy goal at the end of the game. You know, all of those scenarios are many ways that this, that this game could go awry for the United States. However, what they do have, um, you know, in their arsenal is something that they excel at. In this tournament, they've scored in the first 12 minutes in every single game. This is a team that comes out strong, they come out ready, and they usually capitalize on that. And so, therefore, I do think that the United States is going to come out the exact same way Netherlands has been saying, you know, oh, like they're arrogant. They're acting like they already won the game. Like we'll we'll have, the, you know, that right, right. Or how we play on the field, yada, yada. But the way I see it for the United States, if that's the way, if that's their, you know, if that's their their breakfast for the morning, you know, if that's something that helps them, fuels them to uh, to go out and do well, then I love it. Exactly. Well, we're going to find out tomorrow. I feel like everybody is pretty confident as of now. And uh, Ali Trost, my guest, you can, she'll be up on, on stage and, and hanging out with all the fans at the uh, Power and Light uh, celebration, hopefully what is a continuous celebration, uh, tomorrow yes. as she joins us here at uh, 9.50 on the Sportswire KTGR. But before I, I let you go, I, I should ask, too, about the Gold Cup because that is also a final tomorrow. And I know that I'm sure it was cool to, uh, t- even though there has been uh, so some general frustration. I mean, a lot of frustration, more so with the with right. the men's team, and just some g- general apathy. I felt like this summer, uh, just in general, with how they've they really have not handled things well since failing to qualify for the last World Cup. But I'm sure it was cool to see them play in Kansas City, and uh, despite all the criticism, playing a team that I just assumed was always a, a drink you had in the Caribbean and Curacao, uh, <laughs> they they find themselves in a, in a final against Mexico. That I'm sure fans, if they win that all of a sudden it might flip the narrative at least a little bit where fans are saying, okay, well, if they beat Mexico and, you know, they, they do that, now I'm at least somewhat back into being invested. What, I mean, what has been the biggest takeaway for you watching this, this Men's World Cup, uh, Gold Cup, I should say, play out from just the start to all of the, all right, who, why are we doing this? Who, what are these teams? Like, why, why is Curacao and Haiti in this competition, even though Haiti did have right. a kind of impressive run, too? Uh, to now and where we're at in a final, and I guess we're preparing for just another U.S.-Mexico showdown. What, what's the thing that stood out to you the most? Well, going back to just quickly on, like, the frustrations with the men's yeah. team, you know, this is, this is a team that dominated for such a long time, and as the rest of the world catches up, it's exposed a lot of the holes in the entire, you know, platform or, you know, foundation of the U.S. men's national team in the program. And that trickles all the way down from the camps to the training to, you know, the, the pipeline of players that are getting set up into this, into this team. And so I think having all of those holes exposed 
what this tournament has been so good for in this Gold Cup run that they've had. It's helping, you know, progress this team and build that foundation back up, which has been incredibly important. So for me, whatever happens in the U.S.-Mexico game, this has been an opportunity to really build on that foundation, gain that confidence back, you know, get the entire United States team and fan base it's just been steps forward and I felt like the energy is coming back and some of that, you know, it's not, it's not near perfect yet, but I do think that this has been really, really crucial for the future success of the team. You know, they didn't qualify for the next world cup. That's fine. Now the goal is 2026. Now we look ahead, we focus, you know, the team refocuses, United States refocuses and this game against Mexico, that, that's what, that's what this is all about. You know, why, why these are the games that the players want, that the fans want. Like these are, this is why you watch. Um, and so I do think that this game is going to be um, a really, you know, again, whatever happens, it's as long as it's not a blowout, <laughs> as long as you yeah. show up and get blown out like 15, nothing Thailand finals, uh, in the women's world cup. I think that, you know, there will be a lot to be said for the response from the players um, in the game, playing in a game that, you know, is historically a huge rival. And now Christian Pulisic, I'm so excited to see more from him. And then you've got veterans on the field, Bradley. It's going to be really exciting. So yeah, Tomorrow, uh, quite, yes, quite the day overall for uh, U.S. soccer fans uh, as well. I, I, we probably, we've run out of time. I, I would ask you about Sporting KC. On my notes, I just had a WTF and like three question marks. So yeah, it's probably best. We, 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 yeah, we, we won't even get into that because it's been a dumpster fire. Maybe next time. And I know we're, we're going to speak with you again, Allie, once we get into NFL season. We can chat about the Chiefs and all that stuff as well. Uh, again, Ali Trost, so kind to join us on this uh, 4th of July weekend. Find her at Ali Trost and does. Uh, she's now working for Sports Radio 810 in Kansas City. So, uh, Ali, thank you so much. I'm glad uh, we could rekindle having you on the Sportswire after uh, you were a frequent guest with my predecessor, Jeff Parles, but it is uh, always a pleasure. Great to speak with you and enjoy what should be a very fun, uh, I guess, late morning and, uh, and afternoon tomorrow. Thank you. Tomorrow is literally my Christmas, so I'm so excited. <laughs> all right, we'll let you rest up and, and get all prepared for that. But thank you again, and we'll, we'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Bye.